Shabbat Shalom, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. I pray you had an amazing Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread today, the last day of Unleavened Bread, and of course, the Holy, Holy Sabbath. Thank you, all of you, for tuning back in. Missed you last week. We had a great time. I know that many of you had um, holy convocations all over the land, all over the land. Great reports coming in, and thank you to all of those hosts that opened up their homes and had that wonderful Passover Seder, that time together. Let's delve in today. We're going to get into Maaseh Shlachim, the Acts of the Apostles and the 15th chapter, the 15th chapter. Shabbat Shalom to all of you in the chat. Bless one another, edify one another, encourage one another. And if you're tuning in later, you can always throw some edifying comments down in the comment section. Thank you to all of our supporters from all over the world through your generous donations and contributions to this ministry. We truly thank you and are so, so very blessed. I'm excited to read the Word, just the reading and washing of the Word daily. Ah, refreshes the soul, does it not? Refreshes the soul. Acts chapter 15 how on earth did we come into the walk that we are presently walking in? So many of us left the church to walk in the authentic faith. But many then look and say, well, how do we get to where you're at now that we've just left the apostate church system? Should we be keeping all of this Torah? What parts of Torah? It's overwhelming. You have so much experience. And how do we get from here to there? Well, this is the chapter that explains it all, how to walk out your faith daily in prayer and supplication. And it is not by, by might, but by the power of the indwelling Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit, that we are equipped to do this. And it's not a heavy yoke. It's yeah. not a heavy burden. The master's yoke is light and easy. We need to correct some of the traditions of men. Oh, how ye love the traditions of men, yet ye will not keep the commandments of the living Elohim, is the charge of Yahushua, is the charge of Isaiah the prophet. It rung true thousands of years ago, just as it rings true today. People love the laws of men. They love the doctrines and precepts of men, yet they cannot, will not refuse to put themselves under the light, easy yoke of the commandments of the living Elohim. And don't you see that today? People just lemmings following every wind of doctrine of men, every made-up law that they can come up with, yet they won't turn to the living Elohim. But they shall get their lot as we shall get ours. All glory to Yahuwah. Freedom in the word and by the spirit and power of Yahuwah. And certain ones who came down from Judea taught the brothers, saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moshe, you cannot be saved. Again, we'll have to stop right there with the first verse, because otherwise you can ram on through and you'll forget 
context, context, context. The context, of course, is salvation by circumcision and keeping the book of the law and the oral law. That is the context. Or are we saved by grace through faith? Not of yourselves, it is a gift of Yahuwah. You see, this is really framing the whole section here in Acts chapter 15, is that people crept in, they always creep in, don't they, those sneaky little gits? They always creep in and they're trying to teach the precepts and doctrines of men. Here, they're saying that you're saved by circumcision and by keeping the book of the law or the oral law. In fact, what Paul called the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and has been now taken out of the way by the nailing of it onto the tree, Colossians 2.14. But they want you to go back under that system and say that is a system that is salvific. And here, there is much contention over the issue of salvation. This needs to be addressed. Because in Ephesians, Paul writes to the Ephesians and is very clear how we are saved. It is by grace through faith, not through circumcision, not through anything but through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift of Yahuwah. So you can't ignore that the context of Acts chapter 15 is salvation that is in view here. So we can see that before we push on further. This isn't about, you know, the New Testament versus the Old Testament. Oh, well, that, you know, that Old Testament, now we're in the New... That, that's not what this is talking about. That's, even, that's not in view here whatsoever. What we have to look at is the very term, it's a dedicated phrase that appears here in the Scripture, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses. The Greek word there for custom, it's not nomos, Torah. We're not talking about the Torah here. It's got nothing to do with the Torah. We're talking about ethos, the Greek word ethos, the Greek, Greek Strong's number um, 1486. It means a prescribed by a habit or custom. Is that the doctrines and teachings of men? Something that you just habitually do? It becomes a habit. It becomes rote. This is not nomos, this is ethos that is in view here. Because, of course, the Greek word nomos, which means Torah in the Hebrew, is not present in the text. So what are we dealing with here in Acts chapter 15? This is an amazing chapter to be able to explain to your friends or family or those that you care about that are still in the very much church system that is based upon the doctrines and teachings of men. Because what we're dealing here is a, here, excuse me, is a Hebrew term. It's called a minhag. It's called a minhag. 
which means custom. It's spelt in the Hebrew with, as we see in, um, oh, I believe it's in 2 Kings. Yes, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 20. Turn there, turn there, and I'll explain to you what this is. Custom of Moses, Greek word ethos, meaning a prescribed habit, a prescribed habit. We're dealing with what is called here in the Hebrew, and it appears in the Bible twice in 2 Kings chapter 9. I want you to really see this. Minchag. The plural of it is minchagim, which is an accepted tradition or group of traditions in Judaism. Okay? Now, the Hebrew root of this word you have the noon he gimel. And what this means is to drive. To drive. Does a shepherd drive his sheep or does a shepherd lead his sheep? What does a shepherd do? What do you do with goats? Do you lead goats or do you drive them? This is what we're talking about here. The difference between the commandments of Yahuwah, the light and easy yoke, or the customs, minhag, traditions, church doctrines of men that are a heavy driving for... Have you been driven by customs, teachings, laws, and doctrines of men in the past year? Have you? Is our world right now being driven or is it being led? Is it a heavy burden? Is it something that people are feeling oppression, depression, heavily yoked with? That they just can't take, not another lockdown, a third lockdown, a fourth lockdown. People aren't realizing that we are a tripartite being. And if you're just dealing with the health of the body, but you're neglecting the health of the soul and the health of the spirit, you're doing a disservice to your fellow man. There's no empathy. There's no compassion. You're just driving. You're pushing shoulder and shoulder. And that's the world we live in because this is the world where men's doctrines become tyranny and this is always when people sneak in amongst you sneak in amongst you here we're looking at the hebrew word minchag its root is the noon he gimel it means to drive with force this in and of itself is quite telling in light of Yahushua being our great shepherd, right? Because a great shepherd, a good shepherd, does he lead or does he drive? He leads with compassion, with empathy, with mercy, with grace. But men, they drive with force, threat, intimidation, coercion. They coerce, they beat with shoulder and side because they're goat demons. It's a Luciferic, demonic 
minchagim that is trying to come in right here through the synagogue of S.A. 10. There's nothing new under the sun in Acts chapter 15. Yahushua, John chapter 10, verse 16. And I have other sheep who are not of this fold. They're scattered out into the nations. We're going to come together in the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15 because we're going to set a stage on how to gather in those sheep. And it's not going to be through driving them. It's not going to be through coercion. It's not going to be through minchagim, the traditions, laws, executive orders of men that drive people into oppression, depression, and isolation. It's going to be the light and easy yoke of mercy, of compassion, of empathy. There is not one size that fits all. There is not one size that fits all. You need to take into account your fellow human being and meet them where they're at. Because otherwise, you're just a goat demon that is driving with force. And that will be held to your account when you stand before the creator of all things. Because Yahushua says, I must also lead those and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one flock and there shall be one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. Whereas to drive, if you look at it in the Bible, the term for drive, minchagim, it is dripping with negative connotations throughout the scripture in your own time. You can do a word search. I'll give you an example. Exodus chapter 23, verse 28. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite before you. What do you do to them? You drive them out of the land with like a hornet. Now, the actual word minchag, like I said, it appears twice in scriptures. Hopefully, you're right there now. Second King, Melachim Bet, Second Kings, chapter 9, verse 20. We're going to see the word is translated twice into the English word driving. And it says thus, The watchman reported, saying, He has reached them but has not returned. The Minchag is like the Minchag of Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, for he driveth his chariot recklessly. There it is. If you look into Judaism, Judaism is constructed upon Minchagim. The Roman Catholic Church is constructed upon a papal version of Minchagim. The Church of England is constructed upon our version of Minchagim, a driving of the sheep into an enclosed lockdown pen where they can be controlled, manipulated, coerced, and threatened. 
and it becomes a heavy yoke and a very heavy burden. And every goat that then gets put in there with them pushes with shoulder and side. And that's majority rule. That's the world that we live in. But there's another way. And that's the way of the master, which is a light and easy yoke, empathy, compassion. Where is the empathy and compassion today? People are so quick to get their pound of flesh. Let them have the pound of flesh. Because my soul is watered daily and my spirit ascendeth. The pound of flesh is the pound of flesh. This is such a liberation when we can see. Now the actual word minhag appearing twice in the scriptures, both times in the same verse and translated as driving. Okay, Second Kings chapter 9 verse 20. Now, minhag in rabbinic law, it reflects its biblical Hebrew origins as the manner of driving a chariot, if you will. Whereas halakha, which is law, from the word a walking path. This is what I want to explain because this is what Yahushua was doing when he was in Jerusalem. He was juxtaposing the way halakha and minchag. That's what he was teaching. Minchag and halakha. His ways was halakha, which was the walk, the path, whereas minchag was the driving of the rabbis the driving and customs of the rabbis. That is what he was juxtaposing. So halakha means the walking path, the path or road set for a journey, whereas minchab was the driving customs of the nations. Do you see right now in our world, what do you have? You have minchagim all over the world, the driving customs of the nations trying to force everybody into a pen where they can be controlled, threatened, and coerced. And it produces a heavy yoke to the soul and the spirit. And they do it because they're saying, oh, it's good for your flesh. It's good for your pound of flesh. We're trying to protect your pound of flesh. And everybody is so carnal, they're focused on their flesh. When really, the danger to your health is your soul and your spirit by being locked in an enclosure with guards that are producing customs, traditions, executive orders, and things that aren't bearing fruit which is life. It's pretty amazing. Now, the question I would have to ask then is, what was Yahushua teaching in relation to Halakha, his walk, his way, light and easy, and Minchagim, 
the ways of men, which were a heavy, burdensome way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. Verse 13 and 14, that piece of text, Yahushua said what? Narrow is the gate and difficult the way that leads to life. What is he doing right there in light of what I've already communicated with you? He's contrasting halakha, which is biblical law, which is the narrow path, the light and easy yoke, and minchab, which is rabbinic law, traditions of men, executive orders of men, which is a broad road developed by men themselves. That's what he's contrasting. It's always been that choice. We all have to make that choice today. Which way, and, and don't most follow the broad road? They just go after all of the laws, doctrines, and traditions of men that make no sense, but they follow because they are goats. But the narrow road that leads to life, only a, sh a few shall find it because they work outside of the goat pen. They're not captive to it. The goat pen is the pound of flesh. And everyone's worried about their pound of flesh. But outside the goat pen, you're not constricted. There's liberty. There's freedom. And there's life. Because their system is a lockdown system. You have to play in that system. But there's another way. And that way is free. Goats get driven by men Sheep are led by their master. Now, Matthew 25, verse 32. Because before Yahushua shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Is that what's happening today? For sure. You can see it apparent everywhere, just in what we're practicing now in the Passover season. What were the goats practicing? I'm sure they went to Easter service, right? Ashtoreth, an Ammonite goddess of reproduction. Eggs, rabbits, and Easter lilies. Papal Roman apostasy. The church of Thyatira. Or freedom, Passover, everything that's scriptural. You see... There is a time of separating the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. This, to me, is what I see as I read through the 15th chapter. And I'll, I'll, I'll reflect on the first few verses again before we go further forward. Certain ones who came down from Judea taught the brothers, saying, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moshe, you cannot be saved. There's our context. Therefore, dissension and not a little disputation occurring by Paul and Barnabas. They appointed Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So there was much confusion about this issue. Verse 3, and indeed... Being set forward by, by the called-out assembly, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the nations, and they caused great joy to all the brothers. So, 
right here, the conversion of the nations into the whole house of Israel. This is now we're looking at the post-resurrection life of believers. Now look at the post-resurrection. We are Acts chapter 15 here, quite some time after the resurrection of the Master. Look at the post-resurrection observers, observances, excuse me, evidenced thus far in these first 15 chapters of Acts. And tell me how we should be living. Count them and tell me whether the law has been done away with. Because thus far, I see feast observance. I see Shabbat observance, both Jews and Gentiles. There's Torah reading. There's half Torah reading, the prophets being read. There's synagogue assembly on the Sabbath. There's tithing. There's kosher burial going on. There's Torah mourning, the ripping of garments, the tearing of clothes. There's Hebrew mikvah being performed. There's home synagogues. There's fasting. Does this look like papal Rome to you, or does this look like a continuation of the ways of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because they're still teaching Moshe's Torah in the synagogue every Shabbat. And we're only in chapter 15. There is not a hint, not a smell of the incense of paganism going on within the called-out assembly. That didn't happen until the Council of Nicaea in 325. But right now, I'm not smelling any pagan Roman incense. I'm seeing a Hebraic culture of life, and life more abundantly. But that heavy yoke, that minchagim, it is only a couple hundred years down the road from where we're at. It's pretty compelling on how you should live, isn't it? When you reflect upon Acts chapter 15, up unto it. Look at the fourth verse. And arriving in Jerusalem, they were received by the called out assembly and by the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that Yahuwah had done with them. But some of those from the sect of the Pharisees, having believed, rose up saying, and they're going to come out with them in Chagim, and they're going to drive them right now. It was necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moshe. So they have this Jerusalem council where there's much disputation, and they're going to discuss the matter. This is the first letter to the nations, commonly called in your King Jimmy the Gentiles. And when you look at what this council is all about, it's about returning, not turning, but returning, meaning going back to where you once traveled from, to the belly and to the heart of the Torah of Moshe. Because if we can turn to the belly of the Torah and begin there, then we can go out and learn how to live righteously in a sick and twisted world. But we've got to have a common point of beginning. So let's turn to the belly of the Torah. It's Vaikra, Leviticus, chapter 11, the 42nd verse. You're actually going to find right here the middle, the very middle letter of the Torah. 
And if you look on a Torah scroll, you'll find the mark of the scribe right here. We're going to find a Hebrew word here, and it's called Gashon. Gashon, it's spelled Gimel, He, Vav, Nun. And that Vav within the Hebrew word Gashon, which is translated into the English word belly, what crawls on its belly, Gashon, Gimel, He, Vav, Nun, that Vav is the actual center mark, center middle letter of the Torah. Meaning it is the belly the heart, the seat of the Torah. And this is what Acts 15, Jerusalem Council is saying, you have to go back to the center part of the Torah, and this is where we will all begin our journey in commandment, keeping in faith together. But we're not going to do it by minchagim, the traditions of men. We're going to do it by the release power of the Holy Spirit. But if we're going to walk out this faith together, brethren, we all have to have a common starting point. There's no good us running the race, as Paul says, if you get a head start and then you're way behind and I'm coming in off, coming in out the side. No. If you ever listen to the Pilgrim's Progress, the ones that jump over the fence, those are the goats. You have to start at the same place, which is what? The conversion of your soul by the resurrection of the master. It has to be the soul of the matter. Otherwise, it's just religious rote. There has to be the conversion and circumcision made without hands. That's the starting point for us all. Everything else is goats coming in, coming in, coming in. Oh, they're coming in because they got married to somebody who's in this religion or their mother is in this religion. No, it has to be a conversion, a true conversion of the heart, single place we all begin. Then we walk it out together. Leviticus 11 verse 42. The center of the Torah the belly of the Torah is what the Jerusalem council is going to build upon. Whatsoever goeth upon the belly, Gashon, Gimel, He, Vav, Nun, and whatsoever goeth upon all four, or whatsoever hath more feet among all creeping things that creep upon the earth, them ye shall not eat, for they are an abomination. The whole central force of us being believers is what? Do not profane the Creator. Do not profane Him in the way you worship. Do not profane yourself and do not let profanity come out of your mouth. And do not bring profanity into yourself. Be holy, for I am holy, saith Yahuwah. It's all about holiness. Otherwise, you're just a bunch of goat demons. It's that simple. That's the belly and heart of the matter. What you used to do, put it off. Those old thoughts, those old behaviors, those, those old actions, and set yourself apart from the world and live 
a holy, righteous life in a sick and twisted world. It's that simple. When someone gets saved, the first thing they need to do is read Vaikra, Leviticus chapter 17 and 18. That's the first thing they need to do. Stop sinning, stop profaning yourself, and stop partaking in abominations and being an abomination. It's that simple. But we were told to read the book of John. I love the book of John, but that's not how you're going to separate yourself from a sick and twisted world of sin and degradation and filthiness and abominations. You're going to separate yourself by being convicted by the Holy Spirit, by the washing of the word, particularly when you read Leviticus chapter 17 and 18. But if you really want to get the sanctifying spirit, there's 11 chapters of Leviticus that will literally convict you to your soul. Leviticus 14 through 24. It's all about holiness. And most people, when they read through Leviticus 14 through 24, they will testify to you that they are goats. They won't. They, that's, they, they will call the word of Yahweh an abomination so that they continue in their abomination. But there is only a few that will read Leviticus 14 through 24 and say, that is righteous, holy living and how to come out of a sick and twisted world. You want to be separated from the goats? Then align yourself with Leviticus 14 through 24. You want to make sure that you are a goat? Then rebel against Leviticus 14 through 24. It's that simple. It's what separates the fraudulent from the faithful. Otherwise, you're just playing religion with your incense smokers and all of your Roman papal bull. But Leviticus, Vaikra, is the heart of the Torah. And that's what the Jerusalem Council is all about, returning to the heart of the Torah. And it's really only four simple commandments. Number one, there is no new way to worship the Creator. Number two, live a sober, holy, and kosher life. How you approach Yahuwah. Come with clean hands. Avoid profaning yourself. Avoid profane pagan worship. And avoid blood at all costs. Number three, stop fornicating, both at home and in worship with temple harlots. Well, what do you mean? Is Easter fornicating? Of course, she's the bare-breasted fertility goddess, Ashtoreth, that is appeared and chastised throughout the book of Leviticus. That's a foreign pagan worship. You're fornicating with a foreign idol, and you've brought it into the faith, and you're saying you're doing it unto the Creator. And you're somehow trying to syncretize it with the true faith and resurrection. How did that come? Council of Nicaea in 325. That's how it came. So let's look at these four essential commandments in our text of Acts chapter 15.
Number one, abstain from meat sacrificed to idols. What does that mean? It means worship Yahuwah the way he set out in his Torah. If you don't worship Yahuwah the way that he set out in his Torah, he's going to view your worship as meat sacrificed to an idol. When you do all of this pagan Romish worship, that is meat sacrificed to idols. Shedim in the Hebrew, goat demons. Don't do it. You worship the Creator the way that He's laid out for you to worship according to the belly of the Torah. Vaikra, Leviticus. Number two, abstain from sexual immorality. Don't profane yourself and say you're a Yahfearer. You're not. You're a heathen. It's that simple. It's that simple. Number three, abstain from things strangled and from blood. Don't eat idol meat. Don't eat the unclean. Don't partake of halal meat that's been offered to a foreign god. Keep the laws of nidar when it comes to the marriage bed. The book of Hebrews said it's to be unpolluted. Well then, keep it unpolluted. Don't bring something in that's going to pollute it. And then finally, go to synagogue on Shabbat. For example, what we're doing today. I.e., you've got to keep Shabbat and listen to the teachings of Moshe, meaning study the Torah, and you'll learn the rest over time. Because with the reading of the annual Torah cycle and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you'll learn as you go along. But you've got to keep these three essential commandments and want to learn the Torah so that you can continue in the growth and sanctification process. But we're not going to lay a heavy yoke upon you and say, okay, you've got to keep the 613 fictitious rabbinic commandments that don't exist. That's just an, an, an alleged rabbinic tradition. 613 commandments. Acts chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And the apostles and the elders were assembled to see about this matter. And after much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, My men, brothers, you recognize that from the ancient of days, Yahweh chose among us that through my mouth the nations should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And Yahweh, who knows the hearts, bore them witness. So there's a correlation to our faith and our heart, is there not? We have to be connected by the heart. Giving them the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, even as to us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. There is neither male or female, slave or free, but we are all one in Messiah. So faith in Yahushua begins the purification process. That's our common start. By grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. Not through all of your minhagim or your Torah obedience. No, it's a gift of Yahuwah. The Ruach HaKodesh is what begins the sanctification process with the working in you, the working in me. Oh, I have a desire to walk in obedience to the Father. And I have a desire not to partake of the world anymore. There's a separation. 
between me and the world. And then I start here, and then by walking in his ways, halakha, it leads me into a more sustained life of sanctification and blessing that grows over time. Look at the 10th verse. Now, therefore, why do you tempt Yahweh by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, a yoke which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Min chagim. Laws of men. If they couldn't bear it then, what makes you think that our society can bear it now? Were they more spiritually equipped then? Or are they more spiritually equipped now? <laughs> we live in a godless society. At least back then, even the pagans were stooped in superstition and idol worship. They were thinking about things spiritual, though they were worshipping demons. Now, people only think about themselves. They are narcissists. Are they more equipped now or then? Then. So what do you think is going to be the outcome of the minchagim of our modern generation? What do you think? Goats to the slaughter. Driving you into a pen. And the reason you're driven into a pen is because of the health and safety of your body. Because the government loves you wants you to live a long life and prosper and really has empathy and compassion and genuinely cares about you. The government loves your children. The government wants you to be wealthy, healthy and prosperous for multiple generations. Really, it's all about your safety. We care. Good night. And the goats, the broad way that leads to destruction, in they go into the pen. It's called FEMA. Blankets. Horse meat. Medicine. Oh, I think you did that on the First Nations people, didn't you? How did that work out for them? You infected the blankets with bloody cholera. You fed them horse meat. They died from disease. You came in with your medicine and killed them all off. And then you took the land. Who owns all the land now? BLM and Bill Gates. It's called the reservation prison system. There's nothing new under the sun. It's minchagim, doctrines, laws, executive orders of men 
that bear a heavy, heavy yoke, bring oppression, depression, and bring ill health to the soul and the spirit by promising health to the body. But you cannot disconnect the soul and the spirit from the body. In fact, if the body of, is afflicted, but the soul and the spirit are empowered by Yahuwah, the body will be healed. If the body is healthy, yet the soul and the spirit are corrupt and polluted, the body will die and have disease. This is a spiritual reality, but people don't realize this is the time where Yahuwah is searching the hearts of men. Will you walk after Halakha or Minchagim? Minchagim is the way of the world. Halakha is the way of Yahuwah. It's a narrow road. It's a small gate, and only a few shall find it. But the Minchagim, the reservation system, always a broad road, and many travel on it. And it leads to ultimate destruction. You may not see it for a year or possibly two, but eventually your immune system will be so compromised that there will be flare-ups because you took the dose and you believed the poison of the goat demons. There's nothing new under the sun. This is exactly what happened thousands and thousands of years ago throughout history. A diversion and a distinction needs to be made between Minchagim and Halakha, the way of the sheep and the way of the goats, the way of the shepherd and the way of the full shepherds that drive and push and shove asunder. In the 10th verse, it says, Why do you tempt Yahuwah by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, a yoke which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Master, Yahushua Messiah, we shall be saved, according to which manner they also believed. And all the multitude, they kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders Yahuwah had worked among the nations through them. Verse 13. And after they were silent, Yaakov, James, answered, saying, Men, brothers, listen to me. Even as Simeon had declared how Yahuwah at first visited the nations to take out of them a people for his name, and the words of the prophets in the Haftarah agree to this as it is written, After this I will return and rebuild again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, and I will build again its ruins and I will set it up. What is this talking about? Of course, it's talking, it's referring us back to Amos, the book of Amos, and it's about the restoration of all Israel. Acts 15 is the restoration of all Israel. It's not some new pagan Roman church. It's the restoration of all Israel, all 12 tribes. It's the two house restoration, the two sticks coming into one. And that's why it quotes Amos. Verse 17. 
So those men who are left might seek after the master and all the nations on whom my name has been called, says the master, who does all these things. All his works are known to Yahuwah from eternity. Verse 19. There my, therefore, my judgment is that we do not trouble those who are turning to Yahuwah from among the nations. Does it say that? No, it actually doesn't in the oldest manuscripts. Now, in the newer manuscripts, it does. But the Greek word here in Acts chapter 15, um, verse 19, is epistrepho. Epistrepho in the Greek. It means to come and go again, to return about again. And it is the Greek word is translated from the Hebrew word shuv. To repent, which means to return back to the ways of Yahuwah. This isn't isn't a bunch of, of Gentiles out there. This is the lost sheep of the house of Israel that got scattered into the nations after the Assyrian captivity. And now they are to return, shuv, back to the ways of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's very telling, this Greek word, epistrepho, it means to come and go again back where you came from, to repent, to shub. And in fact, it appears in Exodus chapter 34, verse 31. And Moshe called unto them and to Aaron and to all the rulers of the congregation, and they returned unto him, and Moshe talked with them. Shub, the Greek word, apistrepho, apistrepho. Of course, you can correlate that with First Peter chapter 2, verse 25, and you go, are these Gentiles out in the nations, or is the, this the lost sheep of the house of Israel? First Peter chapter 1, verse 20, um, First Peter chapter 2, verse 25 answers that for us. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Isn't that amazing? It's powerful. Look at the 20th verse of our text in Acts chapter 15, and we'll finish up here. But I do want you to be aware of the messianic trap that is out there, because many of you, when you hear Torah to the tribes, You can focus in on the Torah and you can forget about the tribes. Our emphasis is on the tribes bringing you to the book of the law, not the book of the law, excuse me, the book of the covenant part of Torah, not the minhagim, the traditions of the elders. So our emphasis is on people, not on law, though we do teach the book of the covenant. It is the Malkizedic Torah of Yahuwah. But it's always been about people, tribes, scattered. Verse 20. Here are the essential four commandments of Acts chapter 15. Write to them that they should abstain from pollution of idols. You worship Yahweh the way that he's laid out. If you worship him according to the traditions of men, 
Church of England, Roman Catholic, Mormonism, Jehovah, then, then he's going to view it as what? Pollution to idols. Number two, abstain from fornication. Be holy, be clean. And if you need to know how to live, then turn to the book of Leviticus and read 11 chapters, chapter 14 through 24. 10 chapters, 11 if you want. Abstain from things strangled and blood. Sanctification. Live sanctified. And if you want to have more instruction, you're going to have to go and read the Torah. Go to synagogue. Keep Shabbat, the feasts, and the Moedim. For Moshe, from ages past, has those in every city proclaiming him being read in the synagogues every single Sabbath. But we have to watch out for the traps of the Minchagim. Not only in our natural world right now, but also in the religious world. Watch out in culmination for the messianic trap that I've seen so many fall into. It's a form of godliness, but denying its power therein. The messianic movement is correct for us to stop profaning ourselves. They teach that. To stop profaning ourselves with pagan worship and lawlessness. But that's about where it stops. You see, the key to the Jerusalem Council doctrine is what? Verse 28. For it seemed good to the Ruach HaKodesh and to us. The key to the Jerusalem Council doctrine is what? The working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. To move in power. In the word of Yahweh, yes, but not to get burdened down in messianic Torah religious rote. Because then you'll end up in minchagim instead of halakha. And that's where many, many fall into that trap. We need to give one another grace with your learning, with your adherence to Torah. And we need to show little tolerance to goats that won't even adhere to these four simple commandments. If you can't even keep these four simple commandments, then you've got to be a goat. It's not that difficult. We've got to start somewhere together. And if you read Leviticus 14 through 24 and you have a heart of rebellion against it, You've just declared yourself a goat. By their fruit you shall know them. It's that simple. Leviticus 14 through 24 is designed to offend demons and those that are part of pagan religion. In the text here, you have to also be careful of the funky monks. Because in verse 24 and 25, depending on your translation, you'll see something. 
Because we have heard that certain ones who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law. Does everybody's Bible translation have that in it? To whom we gave no such command. Does yours have that in it? It does. You must be circumcised and keep the law. You see, this is a later addition from the funky monks. This is a continuation of the teachings from Thyatara, the apostate church, deviating completely from the Hebrew Bible, deviating completely from the fundamental principles of Scripture. You see, as you study the Scripture, you find so many additions in the King Jimmy and your modern translations and omissions, and it always stems back to the funky monks through the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, yes, the Roman Catholic Church talks about the Bible, but it is an utter mixture of the divine and pagan things. It's called syncretism, established in 325 of the Common Era at the Council of Nicaea. And this kind of apostate syncretism went unchallenged for over a thousand years until a man like John Wycliffe came along and kicked against the pricks. All that to say this, you must be circumcised and keep the law. It's omitted from the earliest Greek manuscripts. We need to be watchful. The church in Thyatira prefigures the Roman Catholic Church which was fully formed as the apostate church by the establishment of the universal papal system in the latter part of the 6th century. I mean, you can almost feel the demons lodging in such a place. Wrong, wrong doctrines for gains. That's what it was all about until people like John Wycliffe came along. Circumcision was the covenant entrance sign back in the time of Abraham. But if you break the covenant, the sign is of no use. Right? If a man goes and whores and commits adultery upon his wife, when she looks at her wedding ring, is she going to have flutters of love in her heart? Or is she going to be gutted and feel sick and say, well, what... What use is this sign when everything that it stands for, you forsook? Well, the moment they breached at the golden calf, then the circumcision sign of the covenant was broken, which is why a whole generation of Levites were walking through the wilderness uncircumcised without any challenge from Moshe. Circumcision was reinstituted in Joshua chapter 4, but it wasn't a token into the Abrahamic covenant that was broken because Galatians chapter 3 tells you that you cannot add to a broken covenant. You can't even add to a standing covenant once it's been blood ratified. Joshua chapter 4, circumcision is a land entrance token. It's that simple. 
Now, Judaism teaches still that circumcision today is attached to the covenant of Abraham. No, circumcision today is a land entrance token, which is why Ezekiel communicated it to them when they were out of the land, and that if they repented and they came back into the land, they would have the land entrance token, because it's a land entrance token. Initially, it was the covenant token, but you broke that through the sin of the golden calf. Circumcision was the covenant entrance sign. Break the covenant, the sign is of no use. Therefore, we have a whole generation of Levites and the congregation that went uncircumcised in the wilderness with no recourse from Moshe Rabbeinu. Yes, there were uncircumcised. The Messianic movement doesn't want to admit this. There were uncircumcised Levites running around in the wilderness because they knew they broke the covenant. Galatians chapter 3 verse 15 is very clear. Once a covenant is ratified, you cannot add thereto. You can't enter into a broken covenant either. Galatians 3.15 is very clear on that. So, someone has to die and pay the death penalty position of Genesis chapter 15, the flaying of the pieces, and give you a new wedding ring. Right? It's going to be the higher calling. Is it going to reflect the former Abrahamic covenant, circumcision? Well, yeah, because it's going to connect you back to it. But it is going to be what? Colossians 2.11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Messiah. If you can get what I'm laying down here, isn't Acts 15 just telling you to put off the body of the sins of the flesh and take on by the Holy Spirit the circumcision made without hands of Messiah? Maybe I should have just saved us a whole bunch of time and just read us Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 and been done with it because that is the belly of the matter, is it not? Everything else is a bunch of pagan syncretism, idol worship, fornication, and minhagim, the broad road that leads to destruction. The majority are on it. The narrow road with the small gate that leads to life, and only a few shall find it. That was the first verse that my wife and I learned together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, 14. The summer of 1996, sitting, lying on our queen-size bed, holding hands, reading the Bible together, first verse we ever memorized together. He has done grand things. Grand things and continues to do so. Stay the course. Keep the faith. Fight the good fight. Fight 
run the race. We have an amazing life ahead of us. There are challenges along the way, hills and valleys, hills and valleys. Everyone wants their pound of flesh. Let them have it. We have a higher calling, and it is exciting. Because once they get their pound of flesh, they realize that there's nothing there at all. It disappears. It disappears. Once you think you have it, then it's gone. And all you'll end up is in an enclosure of minchagim, imprisoned by your wants and desires and carnality. And that is what is going to happen in this world today. And you see it all playing out before you. And it's brilliant. You reap what you sow. We live one life. And it is absolutely yarsome when you're being led by the Spirit. Pretty cool chapter, I think. Remember, it's not that difficult. Follow the narrow path that leads to life. Enter through the small gate. It's all about the halakha, the walk of Yahuwah. Return back to the ways of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and realize that we have a great shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. And in the meantime, the world has been bewitched by the minhagim, the customs, laws of men. And that is the broad road that leads to destruction. It's a road full of goats that are shoving shoulder and side, full of hatred, judgment, lies and deception. And they're all going to go into a pen, a FEMA camp, full of blankets, medicine, just the reservation system that this world is setting up, full of benefits and privileges, benefits and privileges, unemployment. Social security, rebates and refunds. Sign away, sign away. Don't read the small print, don't read the small print. Contract, contract, contract. Prison reservation system. Or you can be free, free indeed. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Small is the gate and only a few shall find it. Liberty comes through the light and easy yoke. Death and destruction come through the shoving, the side, and the heavy burdens which oppress the soul and afflict the spirit. We have a different way and a different master, don't we? Let's see what you've got to say in the chit-chat. I hope everybody had a blessed, blessed Passover. I really do. We have Miss Tamra here in studio from Shabbat Fellowship. Do you want to say a word, Miss Tamra? You've been following the chat. We have to mic you up while I get a little organized here. If you want me to pick up on your chat, then you'll have to redline me. Redline me. Let me refresh the page here. I just, I, I feel like um, just encouraged that the Ruach is moving in both our Shabbat fellowship this morning and the message that you're giving today. And it just shows so much unity in what's being taught. And I'm really blessed and thankful. I feel the love of Yahweh. 
you know. Can you explain that a little bit more? Give us a little bit more, those that weren't on Shabbat Fellowship today. Well, I just think that we were, you know, we had some um, encouraging words about, you know, like the last day of unleavened bread. What does that mean? It's a feast unto Yahuwah. And we were feasting this morning and just sharing scripture on that. And um, we had a gentleman that we had questions in in regards to who is, um, you know, uh, he's new to the Torah or new to our group, I should say. And he was um, explaining his points of view. And we shared with him in love where he could find the trueness in scripture. And it was well received. And. I just felt like the love of the brethren with the, um, according to this gentleman's understanding, was really beautiful how they expressed it. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's see what we got here. Oh, I don't have much redlining going on here today. I must have just uh, stunned you to silence all of you on the chat. Huh? I'll share a scripture from Equinox Walker, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Mashiach, we believe that we shall also live with him. Well, that exactly is the epitome of what we're talking about here in Acts chapter 15. How do we be set free from our old ways and live a new life? It's not a heavy burden. There is no, no condemnation. But we should live in liberty and freedom. Crema, uh, crema. <laughs> That was kind of a, a combination of Chris in FEMA Region 4. <laughs> Pastor Kramer, we missed your teachings. We lift you and the Nolans in prayers for being the leader of this battle. Praise Yahweh. Thank you, Chris, for your prayers. I mean, just exciting things happening right now. Truly, truly. I am really blessed. Thank you for your prayers. I am feeling it. Kevin Niebling is in Almond Beach. Is that where you're at, Kevin? In your truck? Mark Schroy says, what Bible do you read from? I like the Restoration True Name Edition, third edition scriptures. I've also got the New King James that I've, got, I've had for 25-odd you know, years. It's all pencil marked up. But those are my main two scriptures, is to study the Restoration True Name Edition, 3rd Edition. I think you can get that online, PDF download, possibly. Um, I really like the Brenton Septuagint. The Brenton Septuagint is really good. Um, and also there is the Net Bible. Um, there's a couple of different... Um, Bibles named the Net Bible, but the one that I have, I think it has like 58,000 um, footnotes, and it is an um, Aramaic-based um, translation, and that is a really good one as well. I really enjoy that. Let's see what else. Mainly I use the Net if I want to get into some Aramaic, um, then I use the um, Brenton Septuagint. 
and then the Restoration True Name Edition, and then I've got eSword, of course, on the computer, which we all love. I'm sure all of you out there are using your eSword. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Well, you just got to get all the plugins for your eSword. There's some great plugins. Let's see. Ah, Kevin Niebling says, what would you say to someone who is convicted and ashamed when reading Leviticus 14 through 24? I would say that's good. That's part of the process of sanctification. For you all have fallen short, short, excuse me, of the glory of Yahuwah. We should feel convicted and ashamed of our sin. But the shame should not lead to oppression and depression. The shame leads to repentance and freedom and life. And just like the woman caught in adultery, Yahushua said, go and sin no more. But if you don't know what sin is, then you're going to live a life of a goat demon. So it is part of the process. It is part of the process, but not to get caught in that. Yeah, we've got all kinds of Christine Beamer, Shabbat Shalom, Christine, all kinds of teachings on the unleavened bread. Christine thanks uh, us here at Torah to the Tribes for the teaching of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yah has used it in an amazing way this season. He is giving me a new starter dough lump. Well, he is the resurrection, the truth, and the life. That is the blessing. Angela Bonjour, she's talking about collodial silver. It's antiviral. You've got to take your collodial silver. Very good, very good to take today. Ah, this is a report from Much More Beauty down there in Florida. She says, 11 came to gather for Pesach. What a blessing. We had eight mikvahs, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah, all who came, came with praise and thanksgiving, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. What a blessing. That is so awesome, much more beauty. Yasem, as we say up here. Wow. That's very cool. Very, very cool. Let's see what else you got here. Kind of quiet today. We've got to get you, give you guys a week off. Let's see. Kevin Niebling says the goats are in, still in hiding. I don't know quite what you mean by that, Kevin. What do you mean? Maybe I need to refresh my chat. I'm in the live chat. Yes, I, 
I'm not in the top chat. I'm in the proper chat. That's good. Chris in FEMA Region 4 is soon to be a North Georgia dweller. Yeah, willing. Everybody's on the move. Everybody's on the move. Buying up land and moving all over the place to homestead. See, I'm telling you, it's pretty cool. Mm -mm -mm. Modesto Gaza, Shabbat Shalom, Modesto, there you are. He says, remember that a baptism is first a funeral. A lot to, oh, well, there you go, a lot to ponder regarding that death of the body, the flesh. That's a great way to look at it. If the body dies, what do we arise out of the water as? How should that change us? It's a new birth, the putting off of the flesh and the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the sanctification. It is truly amazing. Chris in FEMA Region 4 is tempting me. Come to Florida. Me and much more truth will take you shooting. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. 45 Kimber will be down there too, won't you, 45 Kimber? The war machine on world stage is being hidden. Well, maybe much more truth you need to leave then too. Go where, where uh, FEMA Region 4 is going. What about the Ozarks, hey? Tennessee. Supposed to be pretty nice. Pretty nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, I tell you, so many things are happening. What a blessing. Look at you all. Active participants in the narrow road that leads to life, even though the majority does not rule, they're just part of the big deception. Now, Tim is telling you that you need to move to Smith County in Texas because that is a Second Amendment sanctuary. <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it. William R. says, my wife says, if you started a community, she might want to live in it. Well, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. I just saw a, a really nice um, uh, a really nice piece of uh, land with a, uh, a whole community on it today, actually. So who knows? Who knows? Amazing. Times are changing. Times are changing. 16, Donna Worrell says, 16 total in a mikvah in Ohio. Deliverance, salvation, witnessing of his true name, all praise to Yah. Very nice. Very nice. Modesto says, my advice, buy some land and res research pole frame houses, cheap, modern, and expandable. Oh, okay. Steffi's saying, tons of people are moving to the mountains. Is that the Ozarks? Brenda is, is bringing us back to the spirit and the soul and saying, what is the fascination with guns? Exactly, Brenda. Brenda is our spiritual elder, keeping us on track 
see? That's the problem, Brenda, you see, you know, getting too juvenile, getting too juvenile. Chris is responding to Brenda. Well, I'll leave you two to juke that one out. I'm out of that conversation. Now, Chris in FEMA Region 4 says, I'm looking at Helen or Blairsville, Georgia. Oh, well, there you go. Cummings, Georgia. Cumming, Georgia. Mustard seed. Don't know, don't know. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Lots of people are on the move. People are on the move. Well, that, our society right now is becoming a lot. You can see that with the license plates. So many people moved up here from Texas, and you see them. A lot of Texans came up here. I wonder why that is. It's all the remote working. It's all the remote working. So freeze people up, and uh, it is what it is, isn't it? Baruch Hashem Yahweh, we'll finish there. We'll finish there and um, get the blessing. Get the blessing because we are truly, truly in His will when we live according to the Scriptures and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll catch you live, Yahweh willing, next Shabbat. Remember, if you've lasted this long, you've done well, you've done well. Give us some thumbs up. Give us some thumbs up and leave some comments that edify one another down in the comments section, maybe where you are, so you can connect with brethren the world over at the feasts and festivals. If you're having trouble connecting, then go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. We've got various resources where you can connect on, your, on our Zoom platforms and the Shabbat Fellowship, the prayer group, men, women's prayer group. We've got all kinds of things happening six days a week. And please consider supporting this ministry. We're so thankful to all of you out there that have stuck with us the long course over the, all of these years and so many now coming in new and fresh and being blessed by Yahweh's word and the edification of the saints. Remember, he is with us, and Yahweh, in Yahweh, we are victorious in all things. We just have to fight the good fight and endure to the end to receive that crown of glory. And it's all because of the resurrection of the Master. Stay strong, love one another, encourage one another. All 12 tribes scattered abroad. He is gathering the lost sheep of the house of Israel and the sojourner too. Blessings and Shabbat Shalom.